Hey, buddies, fellow Franco fans, welcome once again to the Franco Observer Podcast. I am your host, Jason Rudy, from Desperate Visions Productions, a Sacramento, California-based filmmaking group headed by yours truly. And as we, I am recording this episode at the end of the year of 2022, I would just like to say thank you all for listening this past year to the episodes, and I'm uh, pretty thrilled that this is uh, already up to 123 episodes, one, two, three, listening to the Franco Observer Podcast, and learning about Jess Franco is easy as one, two, three. So, one, two, three, uh, at the end of the year, uh, like I said, thanks for listening and all that good stuff. We should have about another, I think, 10 months left of episodes, 11 months, and then I will have reached the end of my Franco collection. Um, might do a few other episodes down the line of uh, films I don't have, or lost films of Franco's that were never released, or there's always a wealth of uh, information out there to go digging into the Franco archives, so... Let's just say, who knows when this podcast will end. Maybe not at the end of the filmography. It may run a little longer. Um, on the Desperate Visions front, as you know, uh, Lady Hyde is available on Tubi streaming channel and uh, was picked up also and just waiting to be added to Amazon Prime Video to uh, Zumo, like X-U-M-O. They're out of Comcast uh their online channel and streaming channel um like a regular uh it plays in a format as well on that channel and then nuclear home video and momitu so we got five channels one currently two of them currently playing momitu and uh tubi have it on but still waiting on the other three to add and then, if you are in Northern California uh, on January 19th of 2023, I will have the premiere of the next film from Desperate Visions Productions, Emmanuel in Sin City. This is my take on the Emmanuel series. As you know, there have been many Emmanuel films uh, with the double M or the single M E-M-M-A-N-U-E-L-L-E or the knockoffs E-M-A-N-U-E-L-L-E As you know, Laura Gemser was in the knockoffs and the Joe D'Amato's and did all the, uh, you know, Emmanuel in America, Emmanuel in New York, uh, Sister Emmanuel, White Emmanuel, Black Emmanuel, Black Emmanuel 2, Yellow Emmanuel, so many different Emmanuels. Um, of course, Franco did two Emmanuel unofficial films, and I'm doing my unofficial film, and that is Emmanuel in Sin City. It's the story of a model and photojournalist who goes undercover into the Las Vegas seedy underworld of pornography, bikini wrestling, and snuff films, and investigates the death of her friend's sister. So yeah, that's my version of Emmanuel. And we are in currently filming um, on another film, which will probably come out in summertime, approximately. We'll see how long the editing and everything takes. And that is Shino's Ferratu, uh, which is my take on a vampire love story. Um, 
so yeah, and that uh, features uh, Jessica Dardarian in the lead of that film. So that's fun to do. It's a uh, kind of a horror, little bit of comedy, of course. All my films have comedy in them and drama and thrillers. So be on the lookout for that. All right, got all that done. So, um, yeah, hey, well, why not? I was going to let all the front head on this before we get started. Uh, as you know, there's a donation button on the front page of the Red Circle um, page. If you fill up to it for New Year's or Christmas, if you want to throw me a one-time donation or uh, reoccurring, please feel free. Uh, right now, I actually uh, am in between jobs to keep time open for my films. So if you feel like it, I would appreciate it. Uh, you can always download the episodes and please subscribe. We are on Apple Podcasts, which is the leader of uh, people listening to this podcast, I noticed. Uh, then we have Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, and many more of your favorite listening platforms. Uh, if you dig the show, uh, and more importantly, if you dig my films, uh, Lady Hyde and such, please tell a friend and have them share it and tell other people. Because the more people that watch it and get it out there, the better it is for me. Because it's a better chance of me either getting a job from somebody in the business or uh, getting the films more popular, getting picked up or advertised or, you know, something. It's always, it's never a negative, always a positive. So please share the word of Desperate Visions and share the word of the Frank Observer podcast. If you want to get a hold of us, talk to us, ask questions, ask me questions, anything. I'm always here to answer your call. So please call us and email us at francoobserver at yahoo.com. Once again, one word, francoobserver at yahoo.com. Uh, we got pages on Facebook and Instagram, of course, the Franco Observer Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. So find us there. Always updated all the time. So, all right, got those little plugs out of the way. Um, so now I'm going to give the top half all the information for the sexual story of O, taken from, of course, the book tome I always pull from on this stage of Jess Franco's career, and that book being Flowers of Perversion, The Delirious Cinema of Jesus Franco, Volume 2, by the invaluable Stephen Thrower. <clears throat> all right, here we go. So, this is film 123 from Jess Franco. Uh, brief thing, film 122 I didn't cover, and that is um, Un Pito Per Tres, uh, A Prick for Three. Um, I don't have that film. It is available through the gray market. Um, it seems like it's almost a, um, a uh, remake of... Um, um, no, look at my shelf here. Of... Um, El Hotel de la Laguenas, um, Pleasure Hotel, and and then the other uh, one that's not really my favorite film. So, yeah, I don't I don't have that one. Um, but uh, yeah, so I might get it in the future. Maybe go back and review it. We'll see. But for this time being, we're at film one twenty three, uh, the sexual story of O. That's the UK DVD cover title, and it's a Spain production, year of nineteen eighty three. The original theatrical title in country of origin, Historia Sexua de O. And once again, at this period of his career, he's working for the Golden Films International out of Barcelona, and they are the theatrical distributor of Golden Films as well. All right, 
of course, Jess being the master of quick shoots, my hero, he started this in January of 1983 and got the legal number in February of 83 and it played Seville in April of 83. So he shot it in February and released it in April. I'm oh, sorry, he shot it in January and released it in April. That's like just two months turnaround and then release. That's crazy. Date of approval, May 2nd. Played Barcelona, October 17th, 1983. Madrid, February 20th, 1984. Then Cartagena, March 19th, 1984. Theatrical running time, Spain, 95 minutes. Um, DVD running time, US Severin NTSC DVD, 92 minutes, 4 seconds. That's the version I watched. All right, of course, writer-director, <clears throat> Jess Franco. We all know that. Director of photography, Jess Franco, billed once again as Joan Almoral. And I use the credit Joan Almoral in Emmanuel in Sin City as my camera operator, or director of photography. Camera assistant, Enrique Diaz. Music, Daniel White as Pablo Vila and uncredited Jess Franco. So yeah, those two together, Pablo Vila. Um, uncredited camera operator Jess Franco production manager Antonio Mayans that's cool editor Jess Franco and executive producer Stella Laraga and Emilio Laraga from Golden Films so yeah let me go through the list again Jess Franco on this does writer director director of photography music camera operator and editor sounds about right and what's awesome about this film is it shows you that you can make a film with a minimal amount of people. This film has a total of five, say that again, five cast members. That's it. No extras, so people in the background, nothing. Cast. Alicia Principal. Alicia Principi as Ole Stevens. Or Odell Stevens. Oh, the main character. We have the beautiful, one of my new favorites, Mari Carmenito, billed as Mamie Kaplan, and she plays the evil Mara, one of the kidnapping couples. And her partner in crime is played by Mauro Rivera again, returning as Mario. And then we have the awesome Carmen Caron, and she returns again almost the same role as the last film she plays a princess in that and she's princess in this too princess Bombaquai and her evil person in the last film Night of a Thousand Desires returns with her again as well Daniel Katz returns as Prince Bombaquai so yeah pretty much except for the lead oh Mario Carmenito Mario Rivera Carmen Caron and Daniel Katz four of the five return from the last film and, uh, yeah, just basically missing Lena and uh, Mayans. All right, uh, I'll give you the synopsis on this because it's pretty short. Synopsis. Odell, a beautiful young American tourist on vacation in Spain, is seduced by an attractive couple, Mario and Mara, who are staying at the same hotel. They befriend the naive girl, drawing her into a menage a trois before taking her to meet an aristocratic friend, the Princess Bombaquai, who lives on a nearby island. In truth, Mario and Mara are slave traders selling Odell into bondage. 
Once on the island, she is drugged and abused in sadistic and bizarre sex sessions with the princess and her lover. Meanwhile, Mario, who has grown besought with the girl, is having second thoughts about the transaction. All right, review by Stephen Thor. Shot in the same flurry of production as Night Has a Thousand Desires and Lillian, The Virgin Perverted, the sexual story of O is yet another visit to familiar Sedean territory. Beginning in a blissful summer rose garden and climaxing with a woman being beaten to death with a spiked iron flail, it tells the sorry tale of Odell, a pretty but shallow young American girl holidaying in Spain without family or friends, who attracts the attention of a predatory couple seeking vulnerable women to sell to a pair of sadists on a nearby island. Echoing 1973's The Perverse, or La Contessa Perverse, Plus 1980s Eugenie, Historia of a Perversion. The sexual story of O is watchable enough, but it's very much a repeat performance of ideas Franco had already explored more successfully with better actors. Given that this is also true of Lillian, the Virgin Perverted made immediately before, the feeling of diminishing returns is inescapable. Alicia Principe's performance as Odell, or Anna, as a script carelessly refers to her a couple of times, is a tissue-paper sketch of innocence. She's a sweet but clueless child woman hanging out in her hotel room watching adverts on TV. Which is funny. There's one uh, of um, a talking cat, which made me happy. So, um, Bouncing around on the furniture to jaunty pop music and skim-reading Norman Mailer's The Naked and the Dead, a book presumably left lying around the hotel, given how little else there is to support the idea that she's a student of American literature. <laughs> the book's title, of course, will have more to do with her situation than she knows. I didn't catch that. That's funny. Um, as a portrait of corruption in the film, as a portrait of corruption, the film is not much more substantial than those five words, although it does at least look beautiful. Sharing the bright, summery, ultra-vivid photography of Macumba Sexual and Mil Sexos Tinis de Noche. The trouble is, the scant information in this paragraph tells you all you need to know about Odell, and unfortunately the actress's skills do not compensate. Photographically handsome as it may be, but for all the surface attraction, this is a frustrating film. It doesn't play games with time and space the way Franco's minimalist classics of the period do, and it certainly doesn't score very highly when it comes to shock value. Instead, there's a lazy quality to the scenario. When Mario and Mara make love in full view of their victim's hotel window, they deliberately scream and gasp, playing up their lust to excite the watching youngster. But whatever illicit shock there might have been, seeing the innocent teenager turned on by an obscene adult spectacle is spoiled by the way the sequence is constructed and performed. Odell is only seen in repetitive, uninteresting, poorly framed shots, and she barely reacts to the spectacle at all. The slacker response is not a salient plot point, just bad direction. How hard would it have been for her to look up and show some strings of interest? Well, what's weird is it's kind of a funny scene is what he's saying here, but and she does look up on the second time, so I don't know. Interesting. Um, well, it's obvious she's supposed to be a virginal innocent with budding sexuality. The camera seems unable to find a way of showing it. The actress is certainly able to convey her character's naivete. Where she falls down is in the emergence of sexual arousal and in the expression of injured fear later on. For this sort of story, you need a good victim, and Alicia Principe has all the trembling, masochistic allure of cabbage. 
Wow. Uh, for a film that deals with immorality and sadism, there's a stultifying lack of sharpness here. Repetition seems to have dulled the blade of Franco's passion, so the film never really achieves the intensity it requires. The one scene that does work, a dinner party on a garden patio, involves some genuine characterization. The ever-reliable Carmen Carrion plays the odious Princess Bombay, who claims that she could never make love to a black woman because she believes in the superiority of the white race. While Mario, despite his nice-guy qualms about Odell, makes dismal racist comments about the filth, filthiness of so-called Moors. Discussing the matter further, the princess blithers, Eroticism has no limits. Sometimes a stupid and dirty person can be very attractive. Her aristocratic consort, Daniel Katz, is unflatteringly spotlighted too. When the plot detail revived from Sadomania, it transpires that he's unable to consummate sexually, the implication being that his sadism is not some great philosophical position, merely a reaction to impotence. And then there's Mara, Mari Carmenito, who sneers behind the Count's back when he fails to get it up, which adds a horrid little detail to her blandly unfeeling character. As always in the Sedean films, Franco is at pains to demonstrate that although the libertine may wish to form convivial cliches or cliques and alliances the true sedean is totally alone <clears throat> he or she may seek the company of equals but fellow libertines will sell you down the river for their momentary advantage or trifling amusement entry into the sedean palace of pleasure entails being forever locked out of the social contract there can be no appeal for decency fairness or loyalty because all these values are supplemented by self-interest. The sexual story of O has its admirers. admirers. <laughs> Indeed, there are few who feel it's one of the highlights of the period. For me, though, it's a snack in place of a feast. Even the prolonged hallucinatory whipping sequence of the climax seems somehow gaudy and flimsy rather than weird and disturbing. Franco and Juan Salar use some sort of refracting device that separates the colors into primary components, but it's a rather cheap-looking effect. Paste, not jewelry. Made the same month as the genuinely strange and marvelous Milosexos Tinila Noches, Night of a Thousand Desires, it's a odd little misfire that shows there's a limit to how many times you can tell what is essentially the same story. I kind of agree on that. Uh, like Lillian, the Virgin Perverted, and a lesser extent... Night of a Thousand Desires, there's something solipsistic about it, about its repetitions, its echoey claustrophobia, and the shrinking means with which it attempts to capture our attention. When these films work, one is mesmerized by the play of pure cinema, happy to float in a state of suspended delirium as Franco lets loose the hypnotic demon that lives in his psyche, creating erotic manifestations with his incantation for his incantations, incantatory camera work, and plagiant avant-garde music. When they don't work, one is left feeling that the dirty laundry of Franco's fantasies is getting one public wash too many. Patterns are fading, the fabric is falling apart. Music. <clears throat> the opening credits use the same beguiling Daniel White composition for female vocal and guitar featured on the credit sequence of Lillian. This seems remiss. Surely Franco would have thought twice before making two consecutive films with the same title music. 
However, all the indications are that the films were made back-to-back. The theme from La Contessa Noir returns yet again, while the title music to Mil Sexos Tini La Noche signals the switcheroo from phony friendliness to sadistic manipulation, while an Odell collapsed drug at a poolside luncheon. Sexy Rock gets its second consecutive outing, playing on the radio in Odell's hotel room. Yeah, Sexy Rock, that's the song that you'll be hearing in many Franco films from the last one on like five or six in a row or something. So yeah, Sexy Rock, baby. All right, locations. Uh, the Costa del Sol, probably near Malaga. The same distinctive style of lamp is visible in both the princess hallway in the film and the psychiatric surgery in Night of a Thousand Desires, suggesting both were shot in the same hotel. Connections. Firstly, let's just forget about tying this into any way, shape, or form to the book, The Story of O. Yeah, uh, as you hear later in my review with Collie, um, she had read the book before, which I haven't, but I'm familiar with the story and, and what it's all about and the history and everything of it. And she was very taken by how, well, this is not the story of O and, and, and this. So, yeah, I guess if you're a big fan of the novel, then just don't even think about this film as that. Mario's ves- vacillating conscience about selling Odell to her tormentors. I can't stand that girl to be killed, is met by a hilarious lack of feeling in Mara. Why do you see it that way? An even funnier volte face from him. We've done it before. What the hell? And that pervert couple pays well. In this respect, Mario echoes the character of Tom in La Contessa Perverse, who also suffers from an inconvenient arrhythmia of conscience. Mario begins his first, less than explosive, sexual encounter with Odell as a predatory white slaver, betting a new victim while planting, while planning to sell her to a pair of sadistic sex killers. By the time he's ejaculated, he's turned into a soppy, lovesick puppy with delusions of decency. Even the toughest man feels guilty sometimes, he says to Mara. It's quite a big ask to find his moral journey believable. But at least we see him discussing his doubts and misgivings, whereas Tom's feelings in La Contessa Perverse remind frustratingly opaque. Both films climax with the melancholy image of a man carrying the body of a young woman into the sea. But whereas the ending had some power in La Contessa Perverse, because the film itself bristled with malignant energy, here the sadness feels unearned. You'll probably just find yourself thinking what a hypocrite Mario is and how conveniently the film has kept him ambling around the island until it's too late to save anyone. As mentioned, our pretty indolent young heroine is reading Norman Mailer's The Naked and the Dead, except for the obvious irony in the title. Nothing in the passages we hear being read out connects with the subject matter of the film. It's just another example of Franco's occasional tendency to name-drop literary and artistic figures in superficial manner. Other versions. A longer version of the film with an extended climax is reputed to have been released on Spanish DVD as a newsstand release, a la Franco's hardcore titles, um, El Hoy de Lula, Entire Pitos Andes de Duego, and El Moron Le Exhibicionista. Yeah, so. Alright, well that's uh, the words there. On this, the sexual story of O in episode 121, film 123. So, all right, well, uh, that's gonna wrap up this first half of the episode. Hang out past the bumper.
music and hear myself and Miss Colicini from Los Angeles, California, home of the doors, uh, discuss this film with me. And, uh, yeah, you'll hear, uh, of course, our reviews always get sidetracked by uh, something happening in Collie's life of the present. So, once again, you'll hear a little sidetrack with the film. But, uh, you know, when in Rome. So, alrighty. Thanks and uh, enjoy. Buenas noches, Baja. back on episode 121 film 123 uh film 122 actually i don't own it's a uh film called a prick for three uh un pito para tres so i'm gonna skip that one i might get it later on who knows but right now we're on film 123 and that is the sexual story of o and i figured it's kind of crazy that it's 123 on twelve twenty three. Well, yeah, it's just... Had to call that out, because 23 is always my lucky number, and it's nice. kind of funny. And as you hear the voice, I figured, well, if any film has the word sex in it, there's usually one person that I could turn to that usually <laughs> knows the in and outs, so to speak, of sex. Oh, did I interrupt my intro? <laughs> as you're doing right now. Uh, yeah. Miss Colley Sini from Los Angeles. Thank you, Miss uh, Colley. How are you today? I'm pretty good. Good, good, good. All righty. Well, sounds like you're eager to talk about the sexual story of O. Uh, <laughs> sure <laughs> i will say of all the franco films i've watched this isn't the most but it is one of the most erotic ones like i was watching so i was like whoa a couple times i was like damn he's he's really it's it. basically softcore porn this movie it's not really like a movie i mean there's like no. a little bit of plot there's like a couple there's like one conversation really when they're sitting around the d- dinner table yeah. and then other than that basically just a bunch of softcore yeah yeah you're right it has nothing to do with the book it's it's absurd <laughs> it's more like countess perverse it's more like uh uh justine it's more like a bunch of his films you know um lily and the perverted virgin it's like slay um desclavin it's like a bunch of his films you know it's his typical couple kidnap a girl and sell her into slavery Little uh, nods to that of war, but uh, yeah, it's pretty. Burn all pretty over, good. yeah, that one. Je je um, par the river. Yeah, so um, yeah, so it's it's a uh, a rehash of a lot of his other films, which I always like, you know. So yeah, how to seduce a virgin was the one that I was thinking of because of the whole like in the yeah. beginning when they're you know just like when how to seduce a virgin when they you know were doing through the window where they're watching and trying to the couple's trying to get Lena to come over and so it's yeah like totally. this- I, had, I had written that one down too oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. oh yeah there's totally totally nausea a lot of this stuff so um let's see so I'm gonna start off um this opens with um shots of flowers lots of roses and different flower bushes and that and it reminds me of like a scene from the last film um night of a thousand desires there was like a bunch of rose bushes and flower scenes in there and then uh sinfonia um um, erotica and a bunch of couple other films where he had really long close-ups of flowers and also i liked the water on the flowers it was almost like the sweat on the girl like being the flower the very tender bud and the the moisture very soft and erotic and very you know um 
succulent and, and all that. Yes, the gentle flowers must open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Franco gets credit in this as Jess Franco, which I thought was cool. Uh, I was waiting for Clifford Brown or something, <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah. Yeah, written and directed by him. Um, let's see. Um, I was laughing too, because, uh, okay. So in the very first seven minutes, I'm kind of jumping ahead, but the very first seven minutes, this is almost like part of my checklist was like already done. I was hella laughing. I don't know if you caught it, but there was like a pee scene right in the first seven minutes where the girl goes in and sits down and goes pee. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and then there's, uh, of course, nudity. There's a um, um, reading a book scene many times in that first seven minutes. There's a commercial she watches of a talking cat. So that's like the talking animal. So he's like, I'm the cat. And it's like Franco or somebody's voice talking. As the cat. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, there's a talking cat. And then I got the first two. I did not catch the talking cat, which is really strange considering I'm a cat lady. Yeah. Well, she turns on the TV and it's all audio only. You don't see the talking cat, but he goes, I'm so-and-so's cat. And he like talks and it's like a talking cat and he's selling a product. And of course there's palm trees and, and all that. Like, but, but right in the very beginning, I was totally laughing. I was like, wow, there's a talking animal. There's a PC. There's like all this stuff, you know, <laughs> taking all your boxes. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. So I was laughing. So she turns on the TV in the scene and the last time we had talked I mentioned this. I like the scene where Alberto Grimaldi goes into his room and turns on the radio and then Franco just plays music over the soundtrack instead of just having it in the background. And that's mm-hmm. how it was with this scene when uh, Ophelia, I forgot her name. I know it's O, but it's, what is it? Um, I don't recall. Ophelia sounds right. Yeah, it's um, um, Odile, O-D-I-L-E. Oh yeah, that's right, Odili. Yeah, Odili. I, I never could figure out how, how to pronounce that in my mind. There you go. Odili, Odili. Odili sounds weird, like Odili, 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 Amili. But yeah, Odili, Odili, Odili sounds weird too. Strange name. It's probably like Amili, Odili, Odili. You know, That famous song. No. Yeah, it just it sounds too weird. But yeah, so she goes into a room, she turns on the TV, and then the music played, and then it's that commercial with the a fat cat voice with the man. And then uh, we got our first nudity at 4 minutes 37 seconds, where uh, she gets nude and she's uh, pursued by the couple uh, from the last film, actually, the same guy that was uh, at the party, that was at the table of the performance with the, the uh, mind readers. And that guy, uh, Mario, looks like a total porno star to me from, like, the 70s. <laughs> yeah. Mario fit him perfect. He's like, you know. And he was wearing, uh, later on when he fucks, he wears a uh, quarterback receiver camp shirt, which I kept laughing at. It's like cheesy American, like, football. Yeah. Yeah, the fashion in this is all just, like, all of the the looks in this, like, except for a couple moments are are not my cup of tea but it, it, they're all hilariously funny it's like it's so 80s it's so cheesy the women's haircuts are so horrific oh my god see it's i like, love them in this so that's why me and you were what? talking about that now the girl that plays oh my god like that's like the worst haircut i think that a woman can have it's like it, it's the neighbor of the married with children what was her name nancy Darcy. or something Darcy. Ar- Darcy, Darcy, yeah, it's Darcy, that yeah. haircut. It's that haircut. Like, oh my god, it's that Karen cut. It's just no, it's so unsexy. Like, I can't. Because in this, you have uh, <laughs> the couple is uh, the same couple from the last film, and 
even uh, Mari Carmenito, who's like really an evil woman in this, she's wearing that same, later on, she's wearing that same sparkly shirt she wore that I mentioned that kept falling off her shoulder when she was watching the act. She was wearing it again in the movie and she's like in bed and like falls off her shoulder. And that's what I recognized. I said, oh, hey, that's the same outfit from the last time. Because this movie was made back to back with Night of a Thousand Desires and Lily and the, the Perverted Virgin. So it's a lot of the same outfits, same people, same settings. And- yeah, yeah, the same people for sure. It was, you can tell they were make, made in conjunction. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so we have uh, uh, one thing I thought was funny. So like they see her like through the window or she sees her and then they keep trying to like get her attention. And at first they're like standing on the balcony and like making out, doing all the shit. And she's like totally ignored him reading her book and fucking just doesn't see him or whatever. And then later on dancing yeah. in her chair, like she's in a freaking aerobics class. Yeah. Which that's that almost like a dancing on dancing on a stage scene, but it doesn't count. But yeah, she's weird and random that like, I, I kept trying to picture just directing her, like pretend you're doing aerobics in your chair. You know, I just like, what was he even saying to get her to do that? Because no one would naturally do what she was doing. It was so absurd. Well, Franco, I was watching this interview with Franco actually after this about this. Oh, really? like, uh, it was a good 15 minute piece and I actually liked it. I uh, learned um, um, some stuff from watching it and he talked about the lead and he said that, you know, she's really pretty and that she started off doing pornos and later on she was like a TV actress and Dallas and stuff. And she was a girlfriend of the guy who was in Lily and the Perverted Virgin. I, I know um, we didn't do that episode, but he's like the main guy with the feathered hair that's maybe like in his late 20s, early 30s. That's the main evil guy in that film. Well, anyway, Franco said that she was kind of daft and kind of dumb and, and she was really sweet and stuff, but she really wasn't that smart. So a lot of the stuff of her just being dumb was kind of like her just doing her thing. That's actually just how she is. That's hilarious. Yeah, her thing. He what just, a waste of a banging body, man. Her body is sick. Oh gosh, she's awesome. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Her booty is like bada bing. Yeah, oh, I yeah. Know. My ass is so tight. Just so yeah, just yeah. amazing. Very yeah. round, very, very perky. So yeah, so I have that written down too, where she dances naked in the room with her socks on, and the couple keep trying to get her attention because they're like seeing her. And uh and then later on she's uh drinking a glass of milk, and that reminded me of Lena when uh it was like sexual or the uh, exhibition um Let's see what's that movie called? Uh, uh, Sex Lives of Exhibitionist or whatever, the one with Lena that I did. Where because she's a scene where she's watching the people have sex and she's wa- drinking milk and the milk's running down her face. Well, this scene's not as intense, but she's drinking the milk and they're kind of fucking. So I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. That's a little nod to that. Um, Awkward oranges. Oh yeah, there you go. Good call. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the uh, uh, sexual exhibitionist, and then. Uh, what I like too is oh, there's a cool scene. So where we talked about the second time they, they see each other. I like that scene where Franco shot through the window on her, like slowly masturbating and then shooting their kind of bedroom first through the window. Then he shot inside, but he kept going back and forth. And those shots through the window was good. Cause it brought that whole voyeurism look and through the window yeah. and watching her and slowly exposing herself and more and more and the way he built it and was Really, really good. I was like, wow, it's a really good erotic scene because he built it in levels and it kept un- 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 unspooling, you know, as it went on. Yep. Made you want to join in. Oh, yeah, exactly. 
Uh, it's so meta because you're we're the voyeurs watching the voyeurs and yeah. yeah exactly oh yeah and I mentioned so yeah he's wearing a uh, and during all the sex scenes he actually no a, a few in the end but like two or three sex scenes he wears his quarterback camp receiver t-shirt that's why I was laughing it's like so cheesy <laughs> so yeah and what was odd is like so they spoke Spanish and then she spoke English and like so some of it was dubbed and some of it wasn't on hers. And at first I thought it was a mistake. And then I realized that, oh no, okay. It's like, that's part of the thing. Cause she doesn't understand what they're saying about her and the whole kind of control thing of what's going on and, and her being totally naive to it, you know, mm-hmm. but I kept expecting, I, I thought if I would have wrote this, it'd be cool. If like toward the end, she flipped and was like, spoke Spanish at them and she knew what was going on. And then <laughs> that would have been a cool fucking thing. Like, holy shit, we didn't know that, you know? And she was like, did something, you know? If I was to remake that, that's how I would fucking do it, you know. Well, there's a lot of ways you could make this more interesting, but I mean, he, it's pretty like, especially considering it's the sexual story. Like the story of O is, you know, it's a classic novel. Like, I mean, it's you know, it's a there's so much in there to play with, and this is pretty like this is basically just softcore porn. It's it, there's not much to this. Well, except there's a lot of pretty like cinematography stuff you know he's got lots of like cool beauty like things happening in this like lots of you know the uh, camera effects when it gets weird and there's a lot of like it's beautiful to watch and look at and that's like but as far as like plot and story it's just that's our conversation for the last few things where we talk about it's the mood and the atmosphere and there's not a lot of plot you just let it linger and you follow it through and it's just how it's presented i think you know yeah, I think I mind it less because, like, when it's not like a book I've read and I know could be so much. Because when you're well, saying how I'd rewrite it, it's like, oh my god! I mean, it was written amazingly the original book, and this is but, not even nodding no, that really. Well, but Franco talks about that. I mean, and they basically it's just the title. I mean, just I mean, because remember he did right. he did two Emmanuel films that he named Emmanuel, and they had nothing to do with the Emmanuel. So. Right, yeah. <laughs> and it's basically just for money, and the same with. Really, yeah. and his Jack the Ripper movie with Klaus Kinski, that has nothing to do with Jack the Ripper. He just used that title and then did the the awful Dr. Orloff with more money and just did that movie as a remake, basically, as Jack the Ripper. And, and that's all. Fair enough. Yeah. Just, yeah, he talked about that. He said when that story of O was made, he said he didn't like just Jack and the director of it, the same guy that did the first Emmanuel, and I think the second one. And he talked about, he said, he was just a photographer for Vogue. That's all he did. He took pictures. He wasn't a movie maker. He couldn't tell a story. He just took really pretty pictures, you know? Right. So he said, so, but that movie made a lot of money. He said, so other filmmakers did their own, oh, you know, story of, oh, the ribble. Yeah, there's a couple stories of, oh, that are, have, oh, in the title, but it's something else. Extra words in there. I forget off the top of my head, you know, but stuff like that, you know? So, yeah, but I totally hear you. If you wanted more faithful reenactment of it, then no, that's definitely nowhere near it, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. yeah. Uh, so yeah so then i thought uh so yeah so they have a scene where the two women make love with her and mario i thought it was a really good scene of course there's more the uh female vampire <laughs> really good scene. <laughs> well i mean it was make love at first they, they were all in on it and enjoying themselves it was you know erotic and stuff you know yeah and then they have the great crisis of conscience yeah and the real <laughs> vampire music played again. The da, 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 da. You know, that was playing again. I was laughing. He's like, he's in two films now back to back, you know. 
it's funny. Um, and then of course we mentioned the killer, the uh, the the killer, the um, kidnap couple again, like we talked about from I Burn All Over and uh, had a um, uh, had a pervertive. What's that one? I had a pervertive virgin or um, yeah, how to seduce a virgin? Yeah, 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 how to seduce a virgin. And uh, so yeah, that and then. Um, we we find out that they're a couple and that they're going to basically kidnap this woman and sell her to a, a perverted couple. The guy calls them, you know, yeah, the princess. Yeah, yeah, the princess again, which is funny. She's billed as the princess again in this. Um, Carmen Carrion, who I know you're not a wrestling fan, but for people out there that listen that know pro wrestling from the '80s, uh, she looks like a manager wrestler named Sensational Sherry Martell. So yeah. <laughs> I was watching that and see where she was like masturbating, watching it. I'm like, that was like sensational Sherry. Holy shit. You know, so, yeah. that's funny. That, I mean, yeah, it's weird that she's like a princess because when you think of a princess, you think of like a Disney, like a pretty young girl. And so she, she's like, you know, older and kind of, you know, but like she's like the one of these doesn't look like the other thing, you know. But not to jump, but to jump to the very end without giving all the end away. But the outfit she wears at the end looks like the Wicked Queen from Snow White, that headdress when she. Really? Oh yeah. So I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. She is the evil princess, you know, doing that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so she says she's going to take O for a swim to the nearby place, and I thought at that part where she takes her away that they're going to like kill her or like do something bad to her, but then like. She goes back to her room. I guess they go for a swim that it's not seen. And then she goes back to her room and she's reading a book by herself. And so she's still reading a, a Norman Mailer book. Uh, I think it's uh, I got it written down earlier. It's uh, um, Naked in the Dead by Norman Mailer. So she's reading that. But then later on when she's at her house reading, there's a copy of uh, The Deep laying there by her, the uh, novel. I started laughing. So Franco's like shows that where it gets to the to the to the a boom box and then um and then the uh oh yeah so then the uh couple are in bed and then the the woman gets up and goes to see the girl oh on the couch reading and she has like a really long sex scene with her i wrote out like that was like a fucking long scene it's like five minutes yeah i'm sitting there going this is like long yeah, I get shit from critics saying like, "Oh yes, some of my scenes are too long with the girls or wrestling." But like, I was watching, I'm like, "Okay, Franco got like a six minute fucking sex scene or this or that." So she even like makes out with her foot for like a hundred years at one point. There's just like she just like keeps kissing her foot and kissing, and sucking her toes, and it's like, okay, we get like, yeah, I don't know, like. Which I was kind of happy to see that because you don't see a lot of toe sucking in Franco films, and of course with the Kings, so I was like, oh cool, she's a a shrimping, you know, so. Until I wrote that down, I thought that was cool. I swear, it, I I I just have to bring this up. How weird it is that I posted these pictures that I found from like years ago, um, and they were like just like you know me being sexy years ago, and there was just like one where my foot was like in it, and I weirdly got three emails from like <laughs> dudes who were like, "Oh, the foot stuff with the sex, that's you know careful territory. Like you're you know you're getting wild." It's like. 
really like my foot that's like that it that solicited like that that got like three messages like dms like i just i didn't even like like the dms or respond i was just so like really like just because it was just like of all like the you know like i put up all this sort of you know erotic sexy stuff and then i'm like my feet that's like (laughs) i mean luckily i got other but it was like but that was just like why do i have why is there always that corner of the but yeah, so that that was, I guess, what was pandering to that. I guess Jess was like, let's give it up for the feet, people. Like, yeah, I'm no, never- that was funny because I was watching that and I was like, oh, <laughs> I don't see Jess Frankel from a lot. I sit in, in uh, John Waters and this and that. But I was like, yeah, he usually doesn't show, you know. And it was a girl, girl, wasn't it? Girl, yeah, girl. girls sucking on a girl's foot. Like, I, I don't think I've ever seen him do that. I was like, okay. And then he went really went in, like, went full force with it was the thing. He really committed to it. And there's a special <laughs> scene in that in that sequence, which I wrote down. There's a there's a appearance of the magic tongue wielded by someone other than Lena Romay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. magic tongue scenes, and they had doing around the nipple and the tongue with each other. Lots, lots of nipple licking. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> so then they all take off and they drive by the Holiday Inn with the Holiday Inn sign removed, and that Holiday Inn was in like two other Franco films that they shot in that area. It's by the Canary Islands, I think. Mm. And uh, and then they take her by boat to the island, which we've talked about in past episodes, where the island is an area removed away from society. And then it's a like a sexual thing where we're away from other people. We like have it in the woods. Totally. So they're in the island away from everybody. And uh, they take her by boat, again, uh, which we've noticed from uh, How to Seduce a Virgin and uh, A Countess Perverse and all that. Total uh, dissod element there with that. And then we meet the princess that we, that you spoke of, and she's says that she's German, and same with her her uh, partner, and it's the same couple from the last film of the magician and the princess, which was funny. It was the same evil couple as the last film, the creepy looking Daniel Katz guy with the bow tie. Yeah, that is is stuff creepy. Yeah, 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 and uh, and then you talk about the scene, the dialogue scene where they're talking sitting around the table and it's very racist uh, they talk about how black people are are like not worthy and then they got talks about how stinky the moors are and like all this stuff yeah i thought it was really interesting that's where just chose to go with like the whole story of O thing i mean like it's like because the whole thing is about like you know degradation and s&m and like you know feeling power over another person and all that kind of stuff and it's just like to go with that but i was like well but it's europe and it's the time and like in like you know the 80s and then i mean they're still hella racist over there but like you know back then they were way more so so you know it's it 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 all makes sense but it was funny actually i'm gonna side note again sidebar again um last night uh like of uh, like a person i've only met once uh like and we follow each other on instagram or whatever um she like um had this big post about how you have to boycott Avatar because apparently like James Cameron said something that offended Native Americans or like, and I was just like, it's a 3D. I just call like, all these people were commenting like, I'll never watch it and all this stuff. And I was like, I, I don't know. I just like, was like, this is just dumb. And so I, I, I stupidly made a comment, not saying, yes, you're, you're so right. We should cancel everything. I, I just said, you know, it's a 3D movie about aliens made with CGI. Like, can't we just have like our blockbusters without it being like a, 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 a like a chance to cancel everything? 
And, and, and of course, you know, that chick like unfollowed me, made a big deal, got other people to unfollow. It was like a dramatic, like, you know, I'm not standing with whatever the, and it was like, I, I love Native Americans. We all do. But like, I just was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> aliens. But then it was like so funny that then I was like, okay, whatever. And I had to watch this movie for this podcast. And I'm watching this and I was like, oh my God, like, I just got canceled for like defending Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> avatar like and and here like the, these guys are like oh yeah the blacks are dirty and the, the <laughs> it's like i mean it's so funny that like we're reviewing these movies and we can uh, you know we understand context and like we don't hate jess and think he has to be canceled for this and it just it's the world we live in is oh, so silly plus he's putting the words, and he's putting the words in in the mouths of very vulgar disgusting bourgeois uh people that were supposed to think are the most perverted gross sick and and perverted in a bad way you know uh a deviation from the norm and the norm being anything uh, i mean kind of at the same time you're expected to like have a certain like you know i don't i don't want to say empathy or camaraderie but so no, you have a laugh or, a, or a you're, you're kind of like you know you're 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 a pervert too if you're watching it you know and you're you're kind of you know like you know that they're they're it's evil and wrong to you know murder and all that but like you right. know, the if, if words offend you but but the other stuff doesn't then you have a really bad priority too you know yeah but you know it's just it's funny because it's like you can there you can have gray areas you can understand that people can be you know all different things and it's just no, I appreciate that. I appreciate that Jess is like, yeah, these people are, you know, crappy and, you know, have bad ethics and morals and whatever. But, you know, they also are debased like all humans and he can kind of still get in your psyche with it yeah. and play around with that. I just appreciate that, you know, because you know that Jess isn't racist, you know, like he's not defending what they're doing or anything. And that's the thing. It's like he's he's showing it with perspective and well think about it. I wish we all had perspective in the world today. So. Let's think about it too. I was kind of thinking about this as as you were talking that like, and in the scene while that's going on, the the guy keeps trying to f- give her wine and wine's something that she doesn't. That's like. so funny. She, she, yeah, she, yeah. She she's says, hey. she's like she's like he she's like oh I never drink wine and he's like so. Yeah, and he keeps so, trying to give her and more. She's, and she's like oh well okay, and so she like like that's his argument. His argument was just like yeah so. But she's also like, I never too, drink wine. It's like yeah so she's like oh well, I guess I will then. But it's almost like a metaphor for what's going on. She's sitting there and she ingests this thing she never takes in, which is their politics or their racism or their attitude or whatever. And as she takes it, she gets sick and she has to go in the back and throw up. She has to throw up. After like one drink, too. That was the best part. She she took like one drink and she's like, oh, I'm so tipsy. (laughs) And then she takes another drink and she has to go puke. It was literally like that fast. But yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was totally because it was while they're having the racist conversation, that conversation is in English. The, well, the, the racist conversation is in Spanish. The, the other conversation is in English. Right. And so it's so funny how like they are, you know, there, there's this dual like duality going on. Exactly. It's, it's, it's definitely like a metaphor. It is like that is the, I mean, it's the only real conversation, but it's yeah, the best part. It's interesting that she pukes during that. I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Like, oh, it's just so gross what they're saying. She pukes because she's just so, it's just too much for her, you know, everything. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's funny too, because she's wearing the same gold outfit that Alina wore in a few films as well. That gold pants and gold kind of top, you know, that was pretty yeah. cool. 
Um, oh yeah, and then when they have the scene when they when she gets drunk, and they all start going with her, which you had mentioned the uh, sucking the toe scene, which I had mentioned uh, yeah. is is during this time, and then you have uh, the Daniel Katz with a creepy guy with the two women while the princess watches, and uh, let's see, oh yeah, and they talk about uh, how the guy can't really get it up, so then. He goes back with the princess and the other woman, and then she blows him while the other woman's all kissing on him and stuff in that like peacock kind of fucking chair deal. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, him. And then the, um, Mario really loves her, and she loves Mario. And I guess he tries to like take her out. And uh, after she's, they, so they go together, and then the evil woman of the princess finds her and says, Hey, I won't tell the princess that you took her away. And then she's like, brings her back and like drugs her and then like basically fucks her up uh, with the drugs. And then they go into this big fucking uh, uh, totally fucking, which threw me off because the cover of the DVD has this weird image of like the reflecting kind of deal. I don't know if you can see that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I thought that was just made for the movie or made for this case. And then right at the very end, he does that whole reflective colors and they come in the outfits. I was like, what the fuck? And yeah, it was cool. He almost used like a, a yeah, that chromatic a stuff is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So interesting. And that really made that scene, which was a scene he used a lot of people coming in and whipping. I mean, he's used that in four or five films, but it definitely yeah. added something different to that. You know, there was that one like wrecking ball thing. What are those called? That like a flail. Okay. Oh, I love that. You know, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was kind of a, like I was kind of bummed that they never showed that land. Like you, you, you like saw her whipping with it, like you know, on on the princess's side. But then you didn't see like all you see landing is the whip. You never see and the, when the whip is like it's so clearly like has blood on it. Like yeah, you know, well, he always shoots. Like, he always shoots the whipping the camera, and then he'll show the person laying there, and then somebody off camera like whipping them, you know, softer, you know, so it's not, you know. But I have the person or the camera really like whip by on hard so it looks good. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. And then of course we have the ending. Uh let's go ahead and give spoilers. Uh fucking uh, <laughs> does the uh, a taxi driver ending basically. He goes in and uh shoots up the place and then carries her off into the water like uh Countess Perverse and like Virgin Among Living Dead and a few other movies where they go. Yeah, he the just loves carrying off ladies into the water. Yeah. And he mentioned that uh, in the interview that he's saying, basically, since they can't be together in this life, that's their way to be together in the other life. So they go on to the next level when they do that. Hmm. So I thought that was kind of cool. I got some more notes, too. Um, Let's see. Um, Yeah, so Franco basically, oh, yeah, so I put, wow, the ending. uh, I knew how it would end. uh, The haze after, okay, let's see, I put... um, yeah, what I thought was, okay, so Franco says basically that this is an erotic film with bad people doing bad things to poor people. I was like, oh, so that's basically how <laughs> or class. Yeah, classism, class. yeah, yeah, all that. And uh, I thought this was a good cast, and it's pretty amazing that there's only five people in this whole fucking film. You know, there's the two couples and then the woman. That's all there is in this thing. Yeah princess the daniel katz guy and the guy and the girl and then oh and i was like that's pretty interesting that you can make a movie with just five fucking people and you, know, you make pornos funny. with that many people people it's often done which is what we just watched yeah Based on porno this movie i i, I <laughs> wouldn't think that i mean i think it was classier than porno i mean there was no beaver shots it's a it's a it's a classy soft core 
Yeah, it is. Porno. It's, it's definitely softcore, and it did. They used to make pornos of stories, and this is like one of them, basically. Which I, I, I'm not, I'm not against it, not hating on it. I'm just saying that's you know, it is what it is. Like it's, it's not his usual storytelling. It's very just like a lot of sex. Yeah, I mean, Christoph- last night I was having fun and I was tipsy and and I was like, you know, drinking mold wine and and when you reminded me I had to watch this, I was like, perfect. Yeah, there you go. Now, now I know what to watch. Yeah. Uh, what one other thing too before we go on the list because uh, we'll probably have to do a a part two on the on the other end of that. Um, what what was interesting about this film is uh, we we noticed there's no Lena Romay, there's no Antonio Mayans, there's no Jess Franco on screen at all. And just said, like, basically, what if I had to make a film with all new people? Like, could I do it? Like, he wanted to escape his cliches of always having Mayans and her and Lena and stuff. So he decided, well, what if I had to, you know, and even though he's not making it with new people, it's the same people he used the last few films. That's not really an argument. He's not using his regular, you know, three or But none of the women in this film have Lena's charisma. You know, none of them have. But, like, none of them have, like, a special je ne sais quoi that you know, that his starring ladies like often have, there wasn't anyone in this film that I was like, Oh, I need to see her again. I love her. Like, I really felt like, you know, I mean, like the the bodies were good, but like the personality was just not there with any of them. I felt like, and then it was just kind of, yeah, they didn't really say it. I don't know. That's cool. And I just hate the hair so much. The hair was See, so that's what I was say, that Mary Carbonito, the one that plays the kidnapper woman, not the princess, but the other one. She's been in a few films, and now I, I just dig her. That she's got that '80s look, the nose, the hair, the body, the, that tan. <laughs> but also, you know, I don't know. I just liked her. Her, but yeah, yeah. She's not that. Yeah, you're right. she doesn't. She's not that. She doesn't have that. Whatever tickles your theater, you know. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> definitely. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, I think I think I knocked the list out. All right, well, let's knock out the Franco list real quick. Um, Number one, body of water. Yes, there is a body of water. We see it uh, through the film as they go through the island and all that. Uh, two sailboats. No sailboats, but three boats. Yes, we see a motorboats in the film. Uh, four palm trees. Yes. Uh, number five, jungle sound effects. No, but he uses, once again, wind and the crow sound effects during the threesome about halfway through the film or toward the last scene. That Not the last threesome, but the one before the end. Uh, number six, chained up person. Yeah, it took a while. I was waiting in the very last scene. They yeah. her up. I was like, hey, all right, chained up person. Finally, it took a long time. And these of her vocals during that scene really made sense. And it, it was also so funny how she kissed her at the end. Like when she, they, like they just beat the living shit out of her. And then she's like, oh, okay. And she kisses her. And then the chick slices her throat. It was like, yeah, really? Did you just kiss the chick that like beat you to death and is about to kill you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's probably thinking, well, maybe, well, uh, I don't know, but yeah, no, I, I totally hear you. But that, to me, that was, very, <laughs> yeah, that was very desaud, though, and that one, of all the thing, like, that one four-second thing was almost, I don't know, I, I felt it with that, but maybe that's why he did it. Uh, number seven, uh, dance scenes on stage stripping. No, we get the scene of her dancing in her room, but I don't count that. Uh, eight, club scenes, dancing, bar, no no clubs in this, no bar, just basically the two rooms and the island hotel, or the island place there. Uh, number nine, jazz music, yeah, we have some of the same repeat music, classical music, some jazz stuff. Uh, ten, excessive zooms, and eleven, out of focus shots. Yeah, with the sex stuff, he likes to really zoom in a lot, and he was going out of focus on the boom box a few times, I was laughing, he's trying to change into her face. Uh, number 12, mirror shots. Yeah, you see just one uh, 
of the kidnapper guy, uh, Mario, you see him in the reflection. And then you see the mirror shot with, at the very end, it's all fogged up when he's looking through that glass, Daniel Katz, when she's killed. Uh, number 13, mind control themes. I, I don't know. I think I don't think it's mind control themes. I think it's more like a kidnapper thing. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was wondering how you'd weigh in on that, but yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, they drug her, but that's not really, you know, I don't count that. Uh, 14, magic tongue scenes. Yeah. I mentioned that to Collie earlier. Uh, 15. I mean, they do trick her into like, you know, we're going to like have this threesome and seduce her and then, you know, lure her back to the pad and like thinking that it's under like the guise of like, we're all going to have a party, but really it's, we're going to kill you. So a little bit of mind control in that regard. That's why I was like wondering if it can. That's true. Yeah. They kind of trick her. They deceive her. Yeah. Like gaslighting mind control. Yeah, that's true. Uh, 14 magic tongue scenes. Yeah. Uh, 15 red light scenes. No. Uh, 16 sheepskin rug no masturbation with a c item no the she masturbates but just with her hand uh 17 mad scientist and servant i mean we have the the princess and the kidnapper and then the two kidnapper couples they're couples but they're not mad scientists and servants but they are evil pair yeah Um, uh, 18 fish tank shots no as we keep up on number 19, talking parrot. No, we don't have a talking parrot, but we have the talking cat that I was so happy to speak about. And it, it sounded like Uncle Jess. I don't know whose voice that was, but I don't know. It was interesting. So uh, let's see. Okay, number 20, in credits, yes or no? Well, it says Finn, um, so I count that. Um, 21, handwritten sign, anything janky or funky? No, I didn't catch any of that in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, tw- 22, spiral staircase in, in the room. No, there's a a staircase they go up in the place, but there's not the tight little spiral staircase that I kind of count. Uh, 23 inept cops. That's not a factor in this 24 belly chains. No 25 kinks. All right. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, S and M tell your sister and your friends. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Voyeurism. voyeurism uh, I guess sexual slavery. Foot fetishes. Foot fetishes, yeah, shrimping. Uh, <laughs> um, what else? Uh, threesomes, foursomes. Uh, uh, yeah, it's always funny to even say kink in a Franco film. It's like it's all kink. But yeah, yeah, the the S and M part of it, even though it's really just pretty pretty simple. It's like they just beat her up and kill her. It's not really like there's not too much. Like the sexual story of oh, there could be more. Like you know, like there's so much more that you could. Like I feel like Jess was lazy on this one. I really do. Yeah, and it kind of goes to the motions. I mean, but if you listen to the backstory, I mean, they've they've like basically killed the other girls that were there before. You know, so they they fuck them and kill them and then dispose of their bodies. Yeah, I mean that's the whole reason that they do the racist rant thing is to talk about how like they just you know like oh we we what was it we. You couldn't know, make love to a black true. girl. My my husband couldn't make love to a black girl, and yeah, no, no, it was the part like where they where they said like what like we 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 it was they didn't say the word degrade. They said something along the lines of like we degrade them, and we're you know we we think they're disgusting or something, but we but we enjoy them, and then oh, yeah, it was like we enjoy them, and then we kill them. And that was the that was actually the part I was going to talk about earlier when I was like saying like there was a context to it, and it's like 
with, with the not empathizing with them, but sort of, you know, regrettably like understanding that that's in all of us, like that, that notion to kind of like, you know, or not, maybe not all of us, but a lot of us, I think have like that perversion, that like side to us where it can be fun to, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I can be, well, here's, I here's the quote. He goes, uh, Wait, let me finish. All I'm trying to say is that like, sometimes, you know, like, I'll hook up with a guy who I think is dumb, frankly, not as intelligent as I am, but he'll be pretty. And I will just use him in that regard and then immediately delete his number and throw him away. And that's kind of terrible, but I don't think the guy minds it too much usually. And I sort of just feel like there's that part of us that I think we all have where we are able to be debased like that. We're able to just use someone and discard them and like, you know, kind of like, even though we know it's not like the ideal relationship to have with a human, like it's, it's like a perversion sort of, you know, it's like, you're, you're good for playing with. That's all you are as a toy to me. And that's kind of where like you, I mean, you know, he goes on the road of racism and all that, but to get there, but it's like, I think we all have that, that notion sometimes like, you know, we just want to play with someone because that's all they're good for to us. And then that's it. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I can see. What you want to do the exact quote, so knock it. Yeah, no, the, the quote just from that, as we were searching for, was uh, eroticism has no limits. Sometimes a stupid and dirty person can be very attractive. And that's what you were going for. Yeah, I mean, there was another line, too, where he said we use them and or okay. we, we, will enjoy, we will enjoy them. We will enjoy them and then and then we will kill them or something like that. But it was like that was. Yeah. Yeah. It was in that same rant. Yeah. But yeah. we will enjoy them and then we will kill them. Like there is that, I think, part of, you know, many of us perverts that, yes, I will enjoy you and then I will throw you away forever. Right. So. And that's that sod element of the sadism and the sadist of that not having a care, no, no care, just the care. Well, there's a, it's the power. Like there is a certain feeling of power and control in that too, that you can get somebody to like be an amusement for your whim and then just throw them away and not, you don't care about them. And there's some, there is a certain power to that, that, you know, you have to acknowledge, which is what is, you know, nodding to and all that. Yeah. There's a lot of power. It's power. I mean, yeah. It's a whole other philosophy discussion. Definitely that. And S and I was definitely all about power. So. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, let's cruise out of S and M 25 and go to 26 great headboards. Uh, she had a cool headboard in her room, which I noticed. And then there's a cool headboard in another room, but the, the evil couple had no cool headboards and the princess didn't have a cool headboard either. So it was interesting. So I noticed that, uh, number two, let's see, 27, um, fear or desire. Well, that's easy desire on this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, 28, uh, acoustic guitar player. No. Uh, 29, reading a book scene. Yeah, that's another thing I was laughing. There's quite a bit of reading a book scene in this film, and I almost felt like that was like a joke thing of like, <laughs> you know, like, oh, yeah, here's that thing on the fucking list, like big time. Here's reading a book. They read a book a lot in this fucking scene, film. And finally, number 30, pee scene. Yeah, she has a pee, just, just to go pee for no reason, just in a room. She's dancing around, reading a book, then goes pee, just kind of made me happy to see that all together you know? I know. weirdly I, as soon as she peed i was like oh jason will be happy which is a strange thing to <laughs> my mind 
sitting at home watching it going, Jason's going to be happy this woman's peeing. Oh, it's funny. funny. One thing you said about me months and months ago, I always laugh. You said, I, I, might, I might be paraphrasing it right, but you said something like, you're the most wholesome um, pervert I know. So <laughs> you are. You really are. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when I talk about SM, you're always kind of quizzical, like it's something so foreign to your mind, which is well, amazing considering you're a Jess Franco fan. <laughs> no, I'm, 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 I'm definitely familiar about that and, and, and all that stuff, you know, just whether I practice it or not is another thing, but, but I am not. <laughs> but more like, like I like the whole bizarre stuff of the pervert stuff of the idea and the aesthetic and the style and the thing of it. I don't really, it's nothing that excites me. It's something yeah, that I don't think you're, you grasp even the mental concept of it. No. Like, no, I grasp it, but it's not like, anything that turns me on. Or, yeah, I don't think you can relate to it or really, no. like, get into that kind of psychology of it. I don't think that that's it. Like, in you, you're too, like, sweet and pure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, right. And there's the purity of this. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, you know? Yeah. No, it's it's good. It's just funny. Sometimes you kind of look at me like, I have no idea. And you're just, like, tuned out on what I'm going on about because I'm this horrible pervert over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, me and you are definitely two different sides of a of the spectrum, so... Yeah, that's, that's we are, we are yeah. the different sides of the Jess coin. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, so it's it's cool. So like like I said, this is a total sex Franco film, you know, uh, which is good. This is this is the last episode of 2023, so I guess it's good to end the year on a big sex kind of orgy, fucking I don't know, killing that thing. But well, maybe it's a killing of the old year and taking 2022 into the ocean for 2023. How about that? Aww, <laughs> look at that. Making a metaphor out of the yeah, it's, it was yeah. it was us carrying 2022 into the ocean. Yeah. Like I saw that on my feet. Carried that woman into the ocean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> um, is there anything else you want to talk about besides the horrible, misleading title of the sexual story of O? Uh, <laughs> Um, just, you know, if you have short hair ladies, then, you know, either like don't fluff it up or grow it out. One of the two, but the fluffing it up, not a good look. Just going to say it one last time. Never going to feel that. And especially with the headband too, the headbands in some of these, it was so 80s. It is like, the 80s and to me, that's just like class that. chicks. It. it was like 80s it. aerobic class chicks. To me, so, that's fucking... Tickling the back of my neck, so I, I fucking. Jason's <laughs> <laughs> gonna put on Jane Fonda workout after this and like whack one. <laughs> Actually, the thirty minute workout was much more. Uh, you know, remember back in the day, it was a thirty minute. I think it was a thirty minute workout. It come on like five thirty in the morning, and then you see like one lady fucking doing all the floor exercises, and they would do the overhead shots, the mirror, and all that shit. Oh yeah, they got creative. Like total sexual, like whoa, you know. And I, I remember that as a kid, like holy shit, you know. I was like maybe, yeah. seven, you know. I used to do the Jane Fonda workout when I was in like ninth grade. Jazzercise and all that shit. Yeah, I tried doing it recently, and it was very depressing to learn that my body can no longer do that. <laughs> I uh, I used to do jazzercise, but I kept dropping the the uh, trumpet, so it didn't really work. <laughs> <laughs> Dropping the trumpet. Okay. Yeah. Bad jazzercise joke. You know, only on the Franco Observer podcast will you hear a bad jazzercise joke. So. <laughs> well, Merry Christmas, everybody Happy out Christmas. there. 
that's one thing I want to say is Merry Christmas to all of our listeners. Thank you for always tuning in. Yay. And be safe in your driving, be safe in your drinking, be safe all around, but have, be brave and be fearless and uh, enjoy your life. We're only around here for so long. So let's make it a good one. Go crazy and stay warm. There you go. That's right. I know. I know it's the coldest winter yet. So stay warm. I'm nice and warm. It's 70 degrees in LA today. Serious? Yeah. It's going to be like that all weekend too. Sunshine. 50 something here in like Northern California. So that's crazy. It's going to be beautiful all weekend. Supposed to rain Tuesday and Thursday. So. (laughs) All right. I'll send some hail your way. So. Have a good night. Okay. You too. Bye. Bye.